we're going to go back to Leviticus chapter 19 and just pick up from verse 23. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 23. When you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. Do not eat it. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. If you follow this pattern, your harvest will increase. Increase. I am the Lord your God. Now, the specific commandment, contrary to what people would think would work, that they would harvest it every year. But he said, the Lord said, leave it when you enter the land. Leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years. The fourth year's crop must be entirely consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. The fifth year you may eat the fruit and thereby the yield will increase. Again, a test of faith and obedience. Every commandment that God gives, it's a test of obedience on our part to see whether we will do what he says exactly as he says. And some commandments may take more faith to follow because it goes against the natural means of getting our needs met or to have our livelihood. But that takes faith to trust God when we don't have resources or we have resources and God says don't do anything with it right now. Especially when that's the means that we normally use for our welfare, our support. We'll find in the Bible, often God will tell people to do things that are quite contrary to their human way of understanding. And every time, though, when someone follows God's will and the commandment that he gives exactly like he says it, the end result will show that the people that obeyed when it seemed to be foolish in the sight of the world and people who don't know God, don't believe in God, the people who obeyed will end up being shown to be quite wise people because God's blessing will be upon their lives. The word pattern evokes the memory once more about the pattern of the tabernacle. The Lord said, there's a tabernacle in heaven. I'm giving you the pattern according to what's in heaven. You see that revealed in in, in Hebrews. There's a pattern of things that were in heaven that they were called to exactly follow when they made the earthly structure. This tabernacle that was 150 feet, as we know, by 75 feet, and then past the courtyard, you have the different furniture. God said, do it exactly like I'm telling you. 
And here you see, he says, follow this pattern. What pattern? A pattern of um, harvesting in a certain way when they enter the land. Verse 26, do not eat meat that has been drained of its blood. We mentioned this the other day. I'm sorry. Do not eat meat that has not been drained of its blood. I'm not sure if I didn't include the word not. In other words, they shouldn't eat the blood. And then, do not practice fortune-telling or witchcraft. Why, again, would God have to say this to a people who don't have anything to do with that? The reason is the society around them practice fortune-telling and witchcraft. And so in our world, we have many people involved in witchcraft. It seems as the days go by and people um, are more and more rebellious against God. As the, the prophet Samuel said to King Saul, he said, um, rebellion is as witchcraft. So when people don't want to do God's will in any, anything, it's easier for the demons to come and begin to draw them towards some kind of witchcraft to the point where they can even practice it and think it's fun. It's, it's great. It gives a sense of power, a sense of manipulation. and Until the end when the devil has the last laugh and he destroys the people who engage in witchcraft. And fortune-telling. We go to Chinese restaurants, we all know, fortune cookies, and of course they even sell that by itself. What happens in the oriental restaurants? You break open that fortune cookie and the slip of paper saying some good thing, some good wish. They call it fortune. Now for the believer... It's not a harmless thing. It's actually evil because it's some person who wrote something as if it's going to happen, but they didn't consult the Lord. It's more of a, a fun activity and also rooted in people wanting to wish people some kind of fortune. The question is, where is God in that picture? Does anyone have any fortune, any good thing that doesn't come from God? God is the one who gives it. So if someone wants to predict something or say some wishful blessing, God's not in the picture. We have nothing to do with it. Because if it's not from God, it's from the devil. Witchcraft, fortune-telling, crystal ball, reading, tarot cards, and all these things. We may think in our church, oh, we don't need to hear about it. May, we may think that, some people. Because none of us practice that. And yet, within our own church, the enemy sends someone who is quite a practitioner in this demonic affair. And so the warning is now also for those Christians who read the paper and they may come across horoscopes 
And so Christians who may come to the television sets and find the program that has something to do with fortune telling or a funny TV show, uh, so-and-so, the witch, all having to do with witchcraft. And so these things um, have all to to tell people that um, it's okay to dabble in the cult, the various degrees of this. It's not a light thing before the Lord. It's something that God strictly forbids. Every culture has some kind of witchcraft every nationality, every culture. Because the Bible says the God of this world, according to Corinthians, is the devil. He has a stronghold in this world because people have rebelled against God. And yet we also see the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. There's another power that's controlling the human being. Now, someone may say, I don't have any witchcraft in me or my family. And yet, if they're manipulative, and if they're idolatrous, and they think about themselves and how to get their way all the time, in a very real sense, although they're not involved in the occult, they're also exhibiting signs of rebellion against God because it's not about what God wants for me, it's about what I want for me. And God says, as he said to the prophet Samuel to King Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is idolatry. This is idolatry. It's important to read the whole Bible and then look to the Lord not just gloss over things that we read now we have skipped certain verses and certain chapters in Leviticus because they're quite graphic and also straightforward we don't need to read all those things but certain things we will read and this is one of them fortune telling, witchcraft everything that has to do with the occult in various degrees it may seem innocent cartoons with the friendly ghost or ghosts all these things have occultic backgrounds so for our children for our families if we don't want the devil to come in we need to see what kind of TV shows we're watching what kind of TV shows video games magazines what kind of friends our children have it's sad. Parents get shocked sometimes after the fact when they find out that their child is not what they thought their child was. In other words, they've been mixing with children who are from the dark side. Now, the parent who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't have any wisdom, no discernment, no discernment, doesn't have the Spirit of God, the Word of God, they may be thinking, money, 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 money. They may be thinking, I want my child to be brilliant. I want my child to work hard. I want my child to get education and be at the top of the class. And as long as he is a 
professional or a career person, I did my job. But that person can be a doctor or a lawyer, engineer. They can be a professor. They can be an inventor. They can be an entertainer, a musician, virtuoso, all these things, and be filled with the devil. How do we know that? When the gospel is presented to them that Jesus Christ is the living God, the only one who gave his blood for our sins, for the whole world. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, no one, but Jesus. You know what they'll say? With all of their brilliance and abilities that people go ooh and ah for, they say wow. Those people are filled with the devil because they'll say that's... uh, a poor man's crutch, uh, religion, Christianity, and what does that mean? Well, it's for people who are not smart, people who are not strong, and people who don't have a strong self-will and confidence. It's for the weak people. It's an invention of man. Right there is the spirit of the devil. It doesn't matter how good they look and how well they dress, how many degrees they have after their names, how much money they have in the bank, and how many people love them. Vote them the best this and best that. From heaven's point of view, they're corrupted people. We're filled with the devil. They'll flatly reject the gospel. Or they may say, your religion is uh, very, very strange in Christianity. How could God become a man? And who said God has a son? And I don't understand all of this. It's too much for me. Actually, Jesus said the way is pretty simple. God doesn't ask us to understand everything. All we need to do is basically, first of all, understand that we have sin in our lives, which is rebellion against God. We did not bow to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his blood for us, who was the king of the universe. But we were doing things our way. We worshipped money, or we worshipped our bodies, we worshipped Whatever, but not God. We're in sin. And the Lord says, look to me who died on the cross for you. Confess all your rebellion to me and I will forgive it freely. I'll make you my child. You become born again. That's as simple as you can get. So beautiful. But the devil will come and complicate things. He'll put a 101 questions in a person's mind. Why? To just... Keep them from entering the door that leads to life. So witchcraft and the fortune-telling, sorcery, wizardry, we'll see that also in Deuteronomy and throughout the Bible, these all have one origin, Satan. Even the fortune cookie in your favorite Chinese restaurant. We need to know, there may not be someone manufacturing that sitting in a factory baking those cookies doing some kind of witchcraft spells over them. But we can know that practice is not a harmless practice because I'm looking for blessing in my life. It's like someone going to a crystal ball reader, tarot card reader, or a palm reader. It's the devil that says, I can give you good luck. I can wish you good fortune. Let me see the palm. Let me study the line. Now, the palms of people, the lines. There are people who have read the lines and they have predicted accurately, so to speak, 
some things. Does that mean it's from God? The devil also knows that if he can get someone away from God, well, he can program them. There's no big deal if he can say, well, looks like down the road you're going to have this and that. Well, he'll give you the world so long as you bow down to him. And he'll bring tragedy of the worst sort, destruction from within the heart. But the truth that comes from God is comforting. Even if it comes as a double-edged sword, what it does, it's like a surgeon's knife. It cuts away the cancer. It cuts away everything that will kill us. It's a good sword. At the same time, the truth of God's word is a healing, B-A-L-M, healing bomb. The precious bomb and ointment that will soothe us and comfort us and heal us. Only the living word of God can do it. Now, the next verse says, Do not trim off the hair on your temples or trim your beards. We go to the New King James Version. Same verse here. You should not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. Particular regulation God gave. Someone can say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to shave my head. It's a particular law he gave. We need to understand many of these regulations were diametrically opposite to what the pagan people were practicing. They were doing certain things and God was setting his people apart. Not just to be different, but also not to participate in the practices that had affiliation with idolatrous pagan worship. Verse 28, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. No tattoos. Why not? Well, the pagan cultures had a practice of marking their bodies with all kind of um, connections to demon spirits. In the King James, it says in verse 28, Leviticus 19:28, and we'll answer the question of what if somebody has it and they become a Christian, what happens to them? Right now, we look in the King James Version, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Obviously, there's some kind of practice people had around Israel. Not Israelites, but again, the demonically inspired pagan nations. It's amazing what a culture will do. What culture would ever burn a wife with the husband when the husband dies? Imagine that. When the husband dies, it's not enough to say, you know, in our culture, you just don't remarry in honor of the dead husband. That's not enough. It doesn't make, make it right either. Because the Bible says something different. But they go further and say, well, we need to kill the wife too. 
the husband dies. We had practices in Egypt centuries ago, practices in India, all kind of cultures. If Jesus Christ, the living God, is not the Savior for the people, the devil will bring all kinds of things. And as I said the other day, he's equal opportunity and he doesn't discriminate. He will enter into anyone's home that has an open door. And you know what he does? He comes for three reasons, as the Lord Jesus said about the thief, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he'll do it in various degrees. Now here it says in the King James, nor print any marks upon you. Don't print anything on you. And New King James and other versions say tattoo. Now a person who has had tattoos, and my understanding, it's not easy to take off the body once you have it on. And there are various markings that can be placed upon one's skin. It can be something from a child's play, some marker that gets easily washed off, that marking with water. Others may take some more scrubbing in certain solvents or agents. But others may be very painful to remove and require an elaborate procedure. Now, obviously, when someone gets born again, they don't lose the tattoos. There's changes, an internal change, a spiritual change in the very heart of the person. Not the physical organ, the heart, of course, but the person inside. The part of the being, which is the real person, that when the person dies, the body goes away like a tent. But the spirit goes on to either be with God or in hell, and eventually in the lake of fire away from God with the devil and all of his demons burning together. So the inner man is the person, of course, that gets born again. The outside stays the same, although there'll be a certain demeanor, a joy, and a, um, outlook of faith and hope that keeps rising up whenever the person gets assaulted with evil forecasts from people, fear tactics from the enemy upon their lives because they belong to God especially. They keep having this resurgence of hope and overcoming attitude. There's a joy and a smile and love. There's a difference there, but not perceivable to the degree of having a physical change where the tattoos, if they had tattoos before they got saved, just disappears. And yet, if it's something that is connected with paganism and cultures that for centuries, those particular cultures and religions, they engaged in putting marks on the body. Now, certain tattoos may be very obscene. People have those things on their bodies. Certain things may have serpents. People think it's cool and fun to have a cobra or some viper. These things kill people. It's a culture of death. 
and they're baited into it because they're following the devil. They don't know any better. They get born again. What do we do with that tattoo? Another person may have something else, demonic. Someone may have a deadly black widow spider, some tarantula. Other people, wolves. What do these things represent? Death. There's a drawing of the person who doesn't have God, often to things that are really not good for any human being and carries with it the spirit of death and the way it behaves or the way it looks or combination of those characteristics. What does the child of God have to do with that? Well, this is before the person got born again. Now, what do they do? By all means possible, now that this body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit, I don't know exactly the procedure required for the tattoos that are very difficult, that are very difficult to take off. But there should be a yearning. There should be a regret, a deep regret. And there should be a sense of shame that, Lord, I've done this to myself. But you're a loving God and you know my heart. What does you know my heart mean? What does it mean? Shouldn't be, you know my heart, and now I don't, I'm not for it, but I have it. Oh, well, no. The heart should be crying out to God, Lord, is there a way? Show me a way, Lord, how to get this off my body. Because everything in my body, everything I wear, everything I do, I want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, my holy God. That's the heart of a true Christian who really loves God. In any case where it things are not possible, it may be possible to cover that up by wearing a certain kind of clothing. The point is, where there is a will to obey God and because of loving God, God will make a way to honor him in spite of that wicked past and things we've done. He's a glorious almighty God who can redeem the past. He'll show what to do. The problem is not with the Lord being merciful because He's gracious and merciful. He's very compassionate. He's very patient. But the problem is with people who still love things like that or think that it's not a big deal. In other words, I want to modify my lifestyle. I don't want to be too holy now. And I don't want to get on myself where I'm just down about things I did in the past. The whole attitude and understanding is warped. It's about saying, Lord, I want to do everything I can to honor you with my body and everything you've given me. Praise be to the Lord. Now, the rest of it, well, let's just read this. Do not prostitute your daughter. Cause her to be, another version, New King James it says a harlot. A prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of wickedness. Once again, we see the contagious nature, the all-pervasive, permeating nature of sin. It's like a little bit of yeast or leaven. Not referring to the parable the Lord taught regarding the kingdom. The power of yeast likened to 
God's kingdom coming into a home, an individual, a nation, the world. It's powerful. It'll spread for good. But there's a yeast that the Bible speaks of in negative terms also, or uses for negative illustrations. And we can apply that here to Leviticus 19.29. That if you allow your child to become immoral, let the child stay in his or her room, throw some popcorn candy and video games and TV and whatever it is, as long as they don't interfere with your life. Give them whatever they want. Just stay away from me. That child left to himself, the Bible says in Proverbs, will bring his mother shame. The same with girls. The parent is called to watch over everything the child takes in. Not only the physical food, but the spiritual food. What kind of media are they consuming? Who are they with? And absolutely forbid any contaminating effect from anyone who doesn't love the Lord. It'll affect that person. And that speaks so clearly about how anyone in the house that has given themselves over to a demon to be immoral, it'll damage and destroy that house. Particularly if a parent gives himself or herself over to immorality, it'll damage children. The children will be easy bait for the devil. There's a practice again, apparently, in the pagan culture. They would take their daughters for temple prostitution. As part of their worship, they would go and do abominable things. Take little children in all ages where did this come from? How do you have a tradition and a religion with this kind of stuff? From the devil who seeks to disfigure, humiliate, and pervert God's beautiful creation of the human body, God's beautiful creation of a little girl, in some cases little boys, satanically destroy them systematically destroyed. Praise God. Aren't you glad you know the living God? Imagine if you were hypnotized by the devil into a culture and a religion that thinks it's okay to do this kind of thing, prostitute one's child. In fact, God warned them, as we'll read soon, that the pagan cultures also offered their babies in these incredibly heated statue arms and receptacles heated by hot fire and they put their babies there killed them why why would they kill babies like that so unimaginable crimes against innocent babies and that to their own children you know why because it's part of worship what kind of worship is that uh, they can name the gods, this god and that god. In this case, God says Molech. 
what's gotten into humanity? This is the result of people who reject the love of Jesus. Everything will destruct. Even a family that says, well, we don't believe in Jesus. I don't have Christ in my life and my family. We worship this or we do that. Or they may say, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in anything. I believe in baseball. I believe in soccer. I believe in this movie and that superhero. I believe in food, french fries and fish fries. I believe in exercise. I believe in watching the stars. I believe in whatever they want to believe in. If God is not there, even if they build their castle and they seem to have the best education and all the kids are doctors and top officials and uh, the family is sitting back with a hefty pension in their bungalow, they just pass the time spending money like water because they got a lot of it. They've got a lot of it. They go around enjoying life. Sooner or later, everything will crumble because the devil has set up shop. He's given them the whole world and taken their souls. And the effects will be seen sooner or later. As the Lord said, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't do it, the end of Matthew chapter 7, he said, it's like a man that built his house upon the sand. When the wind and storms of life came, the entire thing came crashing down. And the Lord said emphatically, it was a very loud sound. In other words, absolute destruction. That's the fate of anyone and everyone who doesn't bow to the Lord Jesus and rather seeks to prostitute themselves in various ways. In this case, specifically it says, do not prostitute your daughter. Once again, the connection with the pagan religious rites of the day. And also it may be to gain some money. Who knows? The human heart, the Bible says, is exceedingly wicked. It's very wicked, desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things. That's why, as we mentioned, the Lord actually mentioned or commanded them, don't do abominable things with animals. And I expressed the concern of some people who may read the Bible. So why in the world would this be there? It's absolutely disgusting, reviling. It's because God had to warn them, this is what the people around you are doing. Don't do the same thing. You'll be destroyed. It's a total perversion. Utterly disgusting, despicable. Well, that's the depth to which a human heart can go. That's the sad reality. So anyone who says, well, the brotherhood of man, we love each other, and look, we, we take care of one another. You take care of my lawn, I take care of your lawn. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And you come over for dinner, I'll throw you a feast, and I'll come over to your house for dinner. We'll watch movies together, have popcorn, and go to the games. And Isn't life wonderful? A devil is sitting on one neighbor's heart, and the devil is sitting on the other neighbor's heart. And the devil laughs. Go ahead and have a good time. The end will be a great crash because you don't have Jesus. Your soul's not saved. You've been doing, you've been following the game plan. I told you, go enjoy yourself, right? You don't need God. And you get destroyed. The land is full of wickedness. 
I'd rather have a physician that would tell me the whole truth and nothing but the truth about any condition that needs to be repaired, so to speak. Then a physician who says, how are you? Come into my office. The glorious day is What's the temperature out there? You're thinking to yourself, okay, the small talk, the preliminaries. Let's get to the diagnosis. And he keeps sidestepping the diagnosis, this particular physician. And he says, how are the kids? And how about the game last night on TV? And uh, would you like a lollipop? Would you like to play golf? And you press the point and you say, doctor, I didn't come here for these things. I appreciate everything, but I'm having this horrible cough. I'm having pain all over. Can you tell me what it is? And after being pressed many times, he finally says, well, what would you like me to tell you? You say, excuse me? He says, do you want me to tell you that it's nothing and you'll be over it in one day? I can tell you that and send you home happy. Or do you want me to give you some M&M chocolate candy so you can pop one every hour? If you'd like, you can do that. We think it's ridiculous. We understand the point. I'd rather have God say about the entire human race, including myself and my family, that apart from Jesus, anything is possible. Anything is possible. In a negative sense, we will destroy ourselves and everybody around us. Exactly what happened in Noah's time of the flood. People were so wicked, God said, I have to stop all of this. Judgment had to come. So it's important for us never ever to present an image to ourselves or other people when there's sin there, when there's rebellion against God. Better to call it for what it is and deal with it the way God said to deal with it so we can be free and pure and blessed. Verse 30, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. When he says, I'm the Lord, remember? Sometimes we see the person will die. He says, I'm the Lord. In other words, I'm holy. You do exactly what I tell you. If you violate it, it's not even that God will always act immediately, especially today. But the fact that disobedience and rebellion begins a corruption and a destruction within me even before judgment falls. That's the nature of sin. It always produces death. Any rebellion against God, any disobedience to His commandments always brings death from within. Again, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them. Do to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Later on you see, the Lord will say, anyone who does this, they're going to get killed. I'm going to destroy them. Put them to death. Cut them off. Why? Because it's someone presuming upon God's grace and saying, well, God, I'll come to your party. But my 
partner is the devil. How would you like it if you had a party in your home and somebody brought a known serial killer and that was your partner for the night? Would you allow that person in your home? An active murderer. Wouldn't you be horrified? That's exactly the kind of perspective we need to have when it comes to anything to do with witchcraft. As you said before, some time ago, there's no such thing as a white witch or black witch, innocent witch, harmless witch. Yes, Hollywood would present all kinds of things. To bait people, you start by little. Isn't that how drugs go? Isn't that how it is with immorality? It starts with a little bit of pornography, a little bit of forbidden territory that we get curious about or we think, oh, I'm not an addict. Many an addict said the very same thing. This is true for anyone and everyone that seeks to dabble with any kinds of any kind of evil. So we need to regard mediums, tarot card readers, crystal ball readers, familiar spirits, wizards, witches, warlocks, you name it. It's like having a serial killer come into your home. What will result? Destruction. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And similar, we need to know there are games such as Dungeons and Dragons and all kinds of games they were around even when I was a little boy. And I remember those games. I never played it, but I know how enthusiastically the kids in elementary school couldn't wait to play those games. The dark side, they enter the dark side. It seems to be innocent children. They come into the company of the occult. And the devil doesn't matter. He'll wait. He'll wait for years, as long as you eat his poison, even if it's little by little. Just like the mouse with the mouse trap, a fat piece of cheese, a tiny bit of cyanide. And the mouse may lick a little bit of the cheese that has the cyanide drop. He may think to himself, well, that didn't taste like cheese, but I'm still kicking, I'm alive, I'm rolling, I'm happy. Another lick. You're doing good. Maybe it's the next one that will cause that creature to turn belly side up. So with the devil. Just a little bit. A little bit of adultery. A little bit of smoking there. A little bit of this TV show. Do you know how harmful it is? Harmful it is. When we just go on the internet on our phones, perhaps accidentally, I'm not even talking about pornographic things, I'm talking about things that have nothing to do with God. Reading a tabloid post, maybe something about Hollywood, something about, before you know it, little by little, there'll be an inroad made into your spirit. And you can honestly say, you know, I didn't go to sin, and even now I haven't sinned, I don't think I have, but something's not right. There's a shift within the human heart because of entering to territory that the Spirit of God said is not good for you. We need to be very careful what our eyes see, what our ears hear, 
Because if we do that, if we follow the Lord in everything, rather than being restrictive and oppressive, we'll have the greatest joy and freedom because the conscience is not bound with any guilt. Hallelujah. We're free. Pure. We can think pure thoughts. We can make decisions that are God-honoring for ourselves and our families. How beautiful of a life that is. And how the devil controls, manipulates, and deceives people into thinking, well, God's ways are so restrictive and you can't have fun. Everything that stands for fun apart from God is really a bottomless pit. Verse 32, Leviticus 19.32, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God, I am the Lord. Respect the elders. The Lord says, that's the way it must be. And the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. How many people can count themselves religious and be arrogant and be racist? Very bigoted, prejudiced. How many people treat people who are not within their church circle or Christian circle as an outsider? Forgetting that if that person is a real Christian, you have the same blood with the blood of the, Je- of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're part of one body. But people who have been hurt People who have been mistreated themselves, when they come to Jesus Christ, they may need more healing and they have a defense built up because what if I'm nice to this person and their brand of Christianity is to treat me not so nice. I don't want to get hurt. But there's a graduation that happens within the heart of the believer who keeps reading God's word and keeps being in God's presence and keeps loving the Lord, keeps praying, Lord, make me more like Jesus. And they no longer have those defenses built up. They're actually vulnerable. Like the Lord Jesus was. Show love anyway. Be the better person. That person was mean. I thought they were a Christian. I held the door for them. They didn't even say thank you. And immediately the devil says, see, you got burned again. Next time, why don't you wait for them to be nice? No. Lord Jesus teaches us otherwise. In fact, you said, what good is it if you repay good to the person who's good to you? If you salute those who salute you? Even the pagans, the, the heathen do that. As a believer, you take the first step to be kind. You maintain your character. Don't betray your position in Christ, your new character in Christ, by going back to the old nature. And that could involve fear because a person's been hurt. But when Jesus does the healing, we're free to love. And as we heard last evening on the God of Wonders broadcast, Pascal was preaching about the encounter the Lord Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. That we are kind to people. And we don't take it personally knowing that they're under the control of another spirit. When someone's arrogant, they may have been hurt themselves, and so they put up a front. 
a tough person front. Maybe female, maybe male. Anyone, child, adult. But we need to know that they're dominated by some other spirit that makes them act mean. And that we need to understand that they're in bondage. But we show them the better way. And even if they don't respond in kind, the same way. You would have let your light so shine before them. One day they'll glorify God because of the way you behave. Verse 33, Leviticus 19.33 And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Look at the heart of the living God in something that people may portray and paint as a strict legalistic penal code. Penalties associated with it. And don't do this and don't do that. And look in the midst of these regulations where God had to very seriously deal with pagan practices to prevent them from getting into the congregation. Otherwise, he will leave if they begin to serve the devil like the pagans around them. But in the midst of that, in the midst of strict prohibitions, he says, I want you to not just not mistreat the stranger, the foreigner, but I want you to love him as you love yourself. How amazing that is. How amazing. This is not an external piety, an external religious garment, where the heart is very different. But God says, the relationship you have with me is so real, it's so eternal, so true, that it starts from your heart. In your heart, you must love people, even the stranger. And he says, remember, you used to be strangers in Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. Never forget where you came from. We must never get forget where we came from. How much mercy God has shown us. God has often used that to help me over the years. When I thought I was so right, or I thought, you know what, this deserves this. Uh, in our thinking, we may, we may try to think rationally. We may try to think, quote-unquote, practically. Then God comes and shows His way, His thoughts. They're far higher than ours. And we need to think like Him, have the mind of Christ. And often it helps to remember from where God took you how mean you were, how mean I was, how callous we were, how pretentious. God still loved us. We need to be patient with people. Love them the way the Lord has loved us. Verse 35, you shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, and honest ephah, measuring, uh, device or a measure I should say that they had and an honest hen I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt don't be deceitful in any business that you do in other words don't be a liar or a cheat because God says I'm the Lord I'm holy I have nothing to do with that you're my children act like it 
Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes, all my judgments, and perform them. I am the Lord. Now I mentioned about the sacrificing of children, verse 20, uh, chapter 20. We won't read all of it, I don't think. But it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he should surely be put to death. This God that the pagans worshipped, where they sacrificed children. In the New Living Translation, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to native Israelites and to the foreigners living in Israel. If any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. Now, this doesn't happen today, of course. God doesn't command it to happen here today. In that community, in that congregation in Israel, he was so close, and he brought them out with so many miracles. He spoke to them so clearly by revelation. And it was the beginning of a nation that was supposed to be a kingdom of priests unto God that he had zero tolerance for these kinds of things in the sense that he would act swiftly and command them to remove that person. Why? Because it will spread like gangrene. Those evil practices come in. Isn't that how it happens in people's homes and in schools? The evil practices are exchanged. Ideas are exchanged. And the indiscriminating child just thinks it's fun and before you know it they bring that home and all kinds of evil come so God had to act swiftly to stop it doesn't mean that he has no zero tolerance today for the same things for any of these sins he's the same yesterday today and forever however he deals with people differently at different times in the sense that Sometimes the judgment is swift. They still get judged if they don't repent. Sometimes some men's sins get judged after they die. Verse 4, that's from the scriptures also in the New Testament. Leviticus 20, verse 4. And if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them. Who? The people were supposed to do that just thing to remove the offender. I myself will turn against them and their families and will cut them off from the community. This will happen to all who commit spiritual prostitution by worshipping Molech. I will also turn against those who commit harlotry or spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums on those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So people who sit there and think that my ancestors or my loved one or whoever is dead, but I'm going to call forth that spirit. God says that kind of occultic activity will result in death for that person who practices it. It's absolutely demonic. 
So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. I'm going to read just the next two verses. Anyone who dishonors father and mother must be put to death. We spoke about in which case a son or daughter must disobey father or mother. And that situation is when the father or mother lead them away from God, leading them to do some kind of sin or to turn against the living God and worship something else. The child must disobey. Because the context is the father and mother in Israel know God and they're teaching the children as commanded by God. And he'll actually spell it out in Deuteronomy when we get to that book. When they're lying down, when they're walking, at all times, the parents are responsible to teach the Word of God to the child. And so it's assumed here that the father and mother is a good father and mother. And so when a child disobeys a good father and mother, child or young man, whoever it is, God says, I'm not tolerating this because this is rebellion coming in. Stop it right here, especially at the beginning. And finally, verse 10. You can read the rest by yourself on your own. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. So we've seen the laws of God. And God is warning them. And we see, again, very, very heinous crimes described in the verses follow, which we won't read together now. But let's go to verse 22. You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I'm bringing you as your new home will vomit you out. You see? Whether it is a land or a house or whatever, job, whatever God gives us, if we do something that is against God's will, if we engage in a pagan practice or idolatry, anything of it, of that sort, God says you will lose the blessing. Verse 23, do not live according to the customs of the people I'm driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them, I hate them, I abhor them. In other words, he's saying I'm disgusted and grieved with them. But I have promised you. You see God's heart here. With all the um, warnings, His heart is to bless, always bless people. If they just listen. Verse 24, But I have promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession. A land flowing with milk and honey. That's to describe absolute prosperity. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart. How do they get blessed? Because God has set them apart just as he set us apart from all the other people of this world to be holy. You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals and between clean and unclean birds. We see how this applied to the Jews, not to us. But the principle applies to us that anything that God says is unclean in the New Testament, we stay far away from. 
You must not defile yourselves by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature that scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. Scores of times, again, in the book of Leviticus, more than any other book, we see the word holy. He keeps drilling this into them because he wants to protect them just like he wants to protect and bless us. You must be holy because I, Lord, am holy. I set you apart from all other people to be my very own. This is the verse that I have highlighted. You can underline it or highlight it. Leviticus 20, verse 26. Because it is the foundational uh, statement and principle by which God unfolds the entire book of Leviticus for all kinds of people in Israel, in the congregation. Men and women among you who act as mediums or who consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. These are guilty of a capital offense. We explained why God acted swiftly in these cases. The judgment was capital punishment. And we will continue next time. We will skip certain parts again. You can read on your own. But we are just uh, about seven chapters away from finishing Leviticus. And then we will do a recap, God willing, as we did with Exodus and Hebrews, to consider why God had Moses record this here and how it applies to us as Christians and how we need to keep that with us. There should be a gain, an accumulation, a net gain where every time we read a book of the Bible, we're able to grasp and hold on to the truth and revelation God gives so that we put it into practice. And the growth will be a wonderful, steady growth in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Praise God. At this point, actually, I'd like to ask anyone, if you have any question. We don't do this often, but any question that comes to your mind that you are concerned about with what we heard today, If not, I will pray. Then what would like to pray can pray. Father in heaven, thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that we have the word in front of us. We have your holy commandments in front of us. We have the holy principles, divine principles, all meant to make us strong, Lord, and prosperous, to be a bright light in this world, to help our families to seek and worship the true God, the one true living God, Thank you, Lord, for giving yourself as a sacrifice, your precious blood, to make us your very own people, a, a peculiar or treasured people who are, who are to grow in your likeness and have no regrets of living the new life, having a clear conscience before you, Lord, living a life of freedom, of 
of holiness, by obeying your word, love, and Lord, uh, a wonderful hope of a most glorious future. That each passing day is an opportunity for us to fall more in love with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Use, Father, every brother, every sister, use all of us to win souls for your kingdom. To show people how great you are. Lord, how loving you are. How you long to bless as many people as would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Be with us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, helping us to endure trials, different things, Lord, that the enemy would throw at us just when we're seeking to follow you. We know hell is angry, the devil's angry. But Lord God, you always come through and give us victory. Through every affliction, every persecution, every tribulation, you are a hope, O oh Lord. We hold fast to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you because you first loved us. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.